I want to welcome us back to the house of the Lord for uh, this Lord's Day evening service. In the morning, we were considering the subject of the Lord's Day. And um, because it's so vast a topic and so important a topic, we are devoting both our morning and our evening services to treat this most important subject. And in the morning, we established a few things. One of the things we established is that the idea of a Sabbath was not something that began with Moses. So we learned about the creation ordinances. So that the Sabbath was on the same plane with marriage, work, with marriage and work. And three of them make up the creation ordinances. The things that God instituted in Genesis chapter 1 and Genesis chapter 2. And we saw how the Sabbath is a day set aside by God. The Sabbath is a day of rest. And the Sabbath is a day of worship. And uh, we had a lot of things that were left hanging a bit in the morning that we would uh, continue to address from God's word uh, this evening. And also some of the feedback um, from the morning as well uh, will, will be taken into consideration as we continue our consideration in God's word. Please turn your Bibles with me this evening to the book of Mark chapter 2. The gospel according to Mark chapter 2. And uh, we will read, uh, I believe it's one story, but across two chapters. Mark chapter 2, verse 23. One Sabbath, Jesus was going through the grain fields, and as they made their way, his disciples began to pluck heads of grain. And the Pharisees were saying to him, Look, why are they doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? And he said to them, Have you never read what David did when he was in need and was hungry? He and those who were with him, how he entered the house of God in the time of Abiathar, the high priest, and ate the bread of the presence, which it is not lawful for any but the priests to eat, and also gave it to those who were with him. And he said to them, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. Again he entered the synagogue, and a man was there with a withered hand. And they watched Jesus to see whether he would heal him on the Sabbath, so that they might accuse him. And he said to the man with the withered hand, Come here. And he said to them, Is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do harm, to save life or to kill? But they were silent. And he looked around at them with anger, grieved at their hardness of heart and said to the man, stretch out your hand. He stretched it out and his hand was restored. The Pharisees went out and immediately held counsel with the Herodians against him how to destroy him. And while your hand is still there, please turn to the book of Isaiah. Put your hand on a bookmark there. Isaiah chapter 58. I call it the gospel according to Isaiah, chapter 58. 
If you turn from verse 13, I'm reading 13 and 14. If you turn back your foot from the Sabbath, from doing your pleasure on my holy day, and call the Sabbath a delight and the holy day of the Lord honorable, if you honor it, not going your own ways, or seeking your own pleasure, or talking idly, then you shall take delight in the Lord, and I will make you ride on the heights of the earth. I will feed you with the heritage of Jacob, your father, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Great God, we have come before your word once again. Our Lord, tonight we ask that you would speak to us from your word, that you grant clarity to us in areas where we lack clarity, that you grant us understanding in, way, in areas where our minds are yet to grasp certain things in your word. We ask that you would bless us and that your spirit will attend to the preaching of your word to the end that Christ may be honored and God may be glorified. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This past week, we all had our share of sorrow, of anger, of disappointment, of sadness. Um, except maybe for the children and some of the adults, there's probably no one here who did not see the video of Deborah who was massacred in Sokoto. And one pastor shared on Facebook, Pastor Wally, who ministered at our conference in November, that he watched the video multiple times. And each time he watched the video, he kept praying that Deborah would escape from those young men. And each time he watched the video, she was stoned to death and she was set on fire each time. This past week, we saw what could be termed zealousness, religious zeal. Because that's the summary of what happened in Sokoto, not just with the death of Deborah, but yesterday with the burning of uh, Bishop Kuka's house, with the burning of churches and certain facilities that belonged to Christians, and all of those things, the outrage of the mob at the arrest of two suspects associated with Deborah's death. Religious zeal. An expression of zeal for the name of Allah and for his beloved prophet. But every time such a thing happens, we must always be cautious. We must always be cautious as Christians in our response. There are different kinds of responses I read and heard this past week. The first is to threaten Muslims in return for the violence that we suffer or that our people suffer. One popular threat you hear is, not only for Sokoto this thing will happen, I dare on Abuki, come Abba. If you are your father, your mother, everybody will go die this weekend. My name will be, of course, maybe Chinidu or Chidi and all of those things and all of those things. Another kind of response is bringing reminding Muslims of what happened in Kaduna when the Christian youth stood up in reprisal attacks or what happened in Jos when the Christian said, no, we will not take it anymore 
and they went and they fought. But there is another response that is very rare. Not that it is absent, just that it is quite rare. And that's lament, weeping, grieving. There are neighbors, some of them are friends, some of them are own family members, are still wallowing in darkness. That they are without Christ. Perhaps that would also lead us towards a different kind of zeal. Not the fanatism and extremism that led people to kill somebody, but the kind of zeal that will lead us to preach the gospel. The kind of zeal that will make us give our time, our energy, our resources towards the propagation of the gospel. The kind of zeal, yes, that would make us wake up at night to pray for those people in the corners who have never heard the gospel preached. Sometimes we think, that if somebody has heard the name of Jesus, he has heard the gospel. But some of us grew up in certain kinds of churches or have had experiences in certain kinds of churches where Jesus was mentioned as a means to gain and the gospel was never preached. Perhaps that's the kind of baptism we need in our own day, a baptism of holy zeal for the things of God. Zeal. Great energy and enthusiasm in pursuing God's glory. When we come to our text this evening, we see that Jesus lived in such a time when zealous men walked this earth. Men who were zealous for God. Men who were zealous for the things of God. Men who were zealous even for the law of God. They loved God's law so much and they wanted to keep God's law pure. They wanted to ensure that God's law would not be crossed in their own day. These men were the Pharisees and the scribes. And what they did was to set up fences around the word of God to help you, to help the ordinary people not to step outside God's word, not to step outside God's will, not to disobey. And that's why they were, and they had a zeal. It was commendable. They wanted to see God's law obeyed. But over time, you know what happens when people begin to set up fences? Those fences become the main thing. The fences become the main thing. So, for example, there was a Torah which Moses wrote, five books of Moses. And over time, as the Jewish nation began to grow, their teachers began to write commentary on the Torah. And so we, had a book, we have a book called the Mishnah. So the law of Moses is on one hand, and the commentary is on the other hand. Let me give an example. In the morning when we read Exodus and we were in the fourth commandment, Moses said, on the seventh day you shall not do any work. So you know what the Pharisees and the scribes and the teachers of the law would do? They would try to define what Moses meant by work. What is work? How many miles should a man walk before he has worked? How much should a man lift before he has worked? How much should a man do before he has worked. And all of a sudden, the very word of God took the backstage. And what they wanted to protect, all their man-made laws, became front and burner. We've seen this a lot of times in, in our own climbs, haven't we? A church says, drinking is a problem in Nigeria. And so as a church, we are saying that alcohol is not good. It's not to be consumed. And if you want to join church membership, you are not going to consume alcohol at all. That's where it starts. And then it's usually good. 
But the problem is, if you tell people, you shall not, you shall not, you shall not, a day will come when the pastor will climb up on the pulpit and say, if you are here and you've drank alcohol in the past one week, you're going to hell. And that's something similar that we are seeing in the time of Christ. Contrary to what some people say, that Jesus actually came to abolish the Sabbath, Jesus came to repair the abuse that these zealous men had done to the Sabbath. And we must be careful in our own day, because abuse is not far from us. Abuse is not far from us. After the Protestant Reformation, the reformers did not agree on certain specifics on the Sabbath. When I say reformers, John Calvin, you had Luther. And so all of them had differing views. So what Luther believed on the Lord's Day was different from what Calvin believed on the Lord's Day. And this was as a result of them reacting against Roman Catholicism and the established church. So the way church was done before the Reformation was that everything was done in a very ceremonial, legalistic way even. And so when these men came and they were trying to clean up shop and they were trying to get things back in order, a lot of them refused to see eye to eye on a lot of matters until the Puritans, the English Puritans who came after them. And these men really sat down with the Bible and really brought all of the thoughts of Calvin and Luther and all of those men together to have a comprehensive biblical statement on the Lord's Day. For example, if you know, the Westminster Confession came as a result, it was a Puritan work, so they were clearer. But you know what began to happen after then? Because of zealousness for observing the Lord's Day, many people began to get into extremes, religious extremes. So, for example, on the Sunday, you can't travel for whatever reasons. It got to a point even in Scotland, that some people said not very long ago, a hundred years ago, that if you use train on a Sunday, you are sinning. To use train to go to church, you are sinning. If you're using any kind of public transportation, that's what it means in our own day, to go to church. So if you took a bike, you took a car, you are sinning. So this, these are the things that usually come up. We want to protect the law of God. We are zealous for God and for his glory. But over time, things begin to seep in. And you begin to put your own laws. So this morning, in my bid to show us ways in which we are to observe the Lord's Day, there's also the tendency that somebody will take it up and say, Bro Eliezer said, on the Lord's Day, we should not walk five meters. And that was really the essence of some of the questions in the morning or in the afternoon. That you said, we should not do this, we should not do that, we should not do this, we should not do that. Now, to come with that mindset now, is to carry a, the same type of mindset that the Pharisees brought to Jesus. I know what Jesus did. Instead of canceling the Sabbath with all of his abuses, Jesus reaffirmed it. Jesus cleaned it up. In Luke chapter 2, Jesus said, I am the Lord of the Sabbath. You know what that means? I am the right interpreter of the Sabbath. These Pharisees had made themselves lawmakers, essentially. And they'll tell you what to eat, what not to eat, what to do, what not to do. 
And Jesus said, I am the Lord of the Sabbath. I am the one who has the authority to clean it up. I'm the one who can say what Sabbath keeping actually is. And it's very interesting that Jesus spoke more times on the Sabbath than he did on marriage. Jesus spoke three times on marriage. But on countless occasions, Jesus was confronting the Pharisees, was confronting the teachers of the law in his day on the Sabbath because they had made it something different from what God meant it to be. And in verse 27, Jesus gave us the statement that should guide us in our observance of the Lord's day. He said, the Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. And we must not forget this. It's a very, very important statement. The Sabbath was made for man's good. In Genesis chapter 2, when God instituted the Sabbath, it was for the good of man. So observing the Sabbath is not something a man is meant to do grudgingly, as though God is forcing you to observe the Lord's day. It is for the good of man that God set one day apart. Man cannot function running seven days a week and run that way for one year and for two years. Of course, people can function, but those people are spiritual wrecks. Man, the way God created man, God created man in such a way that man would need to take a day off his normal work every seven days. That's how God created man. So the Sabbath day, what these people did was that now man is meant to serve the Sabbath. Instead of Sabbath, serving the needs of man. So some people can feel guilty and say, oh, because I've been doing this thing on the Lord's day. I will totally stop it. And I mean, I don't want to abuse the Lord's day and all. Yes, you can do that if you have this understanding that the Sabbath was meant for your good. Not that the Sabbath is something that you serve. The Sabbath is meant to serve your good and your interest. That's what Jesus was trying to say. And so when Jesus and his disciples were walking on the road, these Pharisees came and said, your disciples are plucking grain. There is no place in the Old Testament where God forbade them from doing that action. People come and say, ah, Jesus broke the Sabbath. Jesus did not break the Sabbath. What Jesus broke was their own man-made laws. So if I come this morning and say, nobody should cook on the Lord's day at all. No kind of food should be cooked. And then maybe Mrs. Abutu goes and she cooks. And then I come and say, you have broken the Sabbath. No. She has not broken the Sabbath. She has broken my own law that I have imposed upon the Sabbath. Are we together? So what was happening here in Mark 2-3 was that Jesus was breaking the man-made laws of these Pharisees. And Jesus taught us two principles. Number one, that we may do deeds of necessity on the Lord's day. Deeds that are necessary on the Lord's day. Now, instead of us asking, how far is too far? How far is too far? Oh, we've heard in the morning that the Lord's day is a day that we're supposed to dedicate. It's a day of rest and worship. And then the next thing we're asking is, how far is too far? How much work should I do on the Lord's day? We can ask a different question. Does this work advance the purpose of the day? Remember, the whole day is supposed to be spent in worship of God, in spiritual rest, in fellowship with the saints, in private and public worship, in service. So the question you ask, does this serve 
the purpose of this day. What is the purpose of this day? All of those things we've just mentioned. And so then you begin to apply the test. Does cooking on Sunday serve the purpose of the Lord's day? Well, it depends on the context. It depends on the situation. So if I'm to put a man-made law and say nobody should cook ever on the Lord's day, uh -uh, that's not what the Bible is saying. Now we've all come to church and we've served God and then we need to return to evening service by 4 p.m. But we are tired. Our bodies are depleted. So we need to take something to replenish our energy. It was Paul Washer who said this thing one time. He said the purpose why we eat is so that we may serve God. We don't eat for eating's sake. And so when we come on the Lord's Day and we eat and we boil rice and we eat does it serve the purpose of the day? That is the question we must always ask. Does it serve the purpose of the day? So if I'm to take a motorcycle to church on the Lord's day, if that transportation means is aiding me to serve God, to worship with the saints, then it is a necessity. It is a necessity. In the past, do you know what the church is even, they even forbade the amount of steps you take on the Lord's day. So that if you take more than 1,000 steps, you have, you have sinned. And that's basically legalism. If you take 2,000 steps, you have sinned. The point is, is your taking of 2,000 steps going to help you? Is it going to further push you in keeping with the purpose of the Lord's day? There are some people who, without a jog in the morning, they cannot function. Probably because of health issues, you need to relieve stress in your legs, you need to get your heart pumping. And so such a person can go and exercise on the Lord's Day because it's going to help him worship God well. Have you ever wondered that the children of Israel marched around the wall of Jericho for seven days? Seven days. How can you count seven days without counting the Sabbath? Is it possible? Whatever day you start from, you must cross the Sabbath. So this is a work of necessity. The Bible tells us about Solomon, about Jehoshaphat, that he had many ships. And so when the temple was to be built, Solomon sent ships to Hiram, the king of Tyre, to bring things. Now, even if the ship is not working, it's not actually doing work, even if the ship is on sea on the Lord's day, on, on the Sabbath, rather, you have to put the coal. You have to stoke the fire. You have to do some kind of work. Work of necessity may be done on the Lord's day. And that's what Jesus is trying to teach. To remove those man-made things that those guys had put on the Sabbath. But we must be careful. Because you could not finish your work on Saturday does not make it a work of necessity. So maybe you were washing clothes on Saturday. And then... <laughs> You got tired and something took you. And then you had like maybe just 10 pieces of clothes. And then you come on Sunday and say, after all, this is a work of necessity. It's a necessary work. No. Or you were doing office work in your house on Sunday night, Saturday night. You, you slept up. I say, ah, my boss needs this in on Monday. I say, that's the work of necessity. That's not the work of necessity. Carelessness or negligence does not equate necessity. So some people come with this mindset that in between morning and evening service, let me bring stuff to come and work on. Carelessness and negligence is not necessity. Now, this is a matter we must, we must decide entirely on our own. 
So I can't come, and you can't come and say, for me, this is a work of necessity, therefore I should do it, and for you, this is not a work of necessity. Depending on our context and the things going on in our lives. Somebody may be sick and may need to do certain things on the Lord's day that you, who are healthy, does not need to do. Somebody may need to eat more than you are because of a lot of maybe health conditions. And you can just eat twice on the Lord's day and you're okay. And the person has to get into the kitchen and prepare a meal to eat. Works of necessity may be done on the Lord's day. So the question we must always ask is, is this thing necessary to promote the purposes of the day? Already you know those things that are not necessary to advance the purposes of the day. Somebody was asking a question on the forum. Um, I, I think it's Puritan Board Forum online. And he said that on the Lord's Day, I want to watch um, American Football League. I can't remember NHL or baseball or whatever. And while I'm watching it, I want to mute the audio. And I want to be playing a sermon in the background. So I am listening to the sermon. And I'm not kidding. I'm very, very serious. And I'm listening to the sermon, and then I'm watching this one. And then, how does that, the question is, how does that advance the purposes of the Lord's day? If you can prove to yourself, in the light of God's word, that this thing I'm doing advances my worship of God, then of course, go ahead and do it. Nobody will tell you, hey, put this off, put this off, put this off. No, go ahead and do it if you believe it advances the purposes of the Lord's day. Automatically, we know the things that don't advance the purposes of the Lord's day. Don't we? We know them. But something else Jesus teaches us in chapter 3 is that the Sabbath day is a day to show mercy. So Jesus came into the synagogue. It's another Sabbath day, actually. And... Actually, the way another gospel writer puts it, it's as if they set that man in front of him, the man with the withered hand, and they wanted to see what Jesus would do to him. Whether you actually heal him. Can you see the extent of their spiritual darkness? This man can heal. But your problem is not to ask, why is it that this man can heal? Your problem is, this man will he heal on the, on the Sabbath. They were not like, you know, Nicodemus met Jesus. He told you, he said, no one can do the things you do. No, no ordinary man can do that. So these Pharisees were of a different stock than Nicodemus. They saw the wonders Jesus was doing. Oh, yeah, this makes sense. So instead of them to be bothered to ask, why does this man have authority to do these things? They said, let us watch and see whether he will do this thing on the, Lord, on the Sabbath. And Jesus looked at them. Verse chapter 3. Verse 4, he said, is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do harm, to save a life or to kill? Is it lawful to do good on the Sabbath? Yes, it is lawful. Now, if on the Sabbath day, if on the Lord's day, you are passing by the road and somebody's car breaks down and you are a mechanic, it's a work of mercy. You can do it. That's what Jesus is saying, basically. So if somebody's plumbing spoils, maybe I'm a very good plumber, and, ah, this toilet stopped flushing this morning. Maybe somebody used it and the toilet stopped flushing. And then they say, ah, come and help us. And I say, no, today's the Lord's day. I'm not working. I can't work. I can't work. That's over zealousness. That's going beyond the word of God. 
Is it a work of mercy? Is it a work of charity? Then Christ tells us that the Sabbath is to do good. So instead of asking all those questions, all those questions of uh, should I wash on this day? Should I put it through this lens? That's why I said the work you normally do on the six days, you can still do on the seventh day, on, on the Sabbath day, on the Lord's day, depending if it's a work of necessity or a work of mercy. Someone is sick and the person cannot, doesn't have a, a, something to wear on Monday. You can go on Sunday and wash the clothes for the person. Someone is sick and disabled. Clearly, you see this person is not well. You can go to the hospital and do work and clean up the person, bathe the person, cook for the person. It's a work of mercy. It's a work of mercy. And more than just physical good, the Sabbath is a day to do spiritual good to our neighbor. It's a time for us to distribute tracts and to preach the gospel. Gather children in the neighborhood. I think they're doing that in, uh, in Lagos there. Gather children and teach them the Bible. Do evangelism. And additionally, there are certain things that human society needs to thrive. Certain things really that we, do, we cannot live without. So the doctor can perform an emergency surgery on the Lord's day. And the doctor has not broken the Sabbath. What he has broken are the man-made laws surrounding the Sabbath. So instead of asking all of this question, should I wear this one? Should I sew my clothes if my clothes tears? Use this principle. Is it a necessity? Of course, if you're dressing for church and your clothes gets torn, get a needle and sew it and come to church. It's advancing the purpose of the day. What Jesus was trying to do essentially is he's trying to strip the Sabbath of all of these man-made things that stopped the Sabbath from being a delight to the people of God. So instead of the Sabbath being a delight, the Sabbath became a drudgery. Because you're always asking yourself, you're always thinking, have I gone too far? How far is too far? Where should I stop? All of the, No, that's not what God wants us to be doing on Sunday. So somebody will say, okay, based on what Brailias I preached in the morning, every day I should analyze my destiny and say, should I do this one? How far is too far? What's this one? Uh, no, 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 no. That's not, that's not the kind of mindset. To come with a kind of legalistic spirit as if you're, 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 you're checking off the boxes. So at the end of the Sabbath day, you look at your book and say, ah, I did everything well. Oh. I didn't work more than 1,000. I didn't cook today. Oh. I drank Gary. I didn't do that. I say, you've kept the Sabbath. No. Isaiah chapter 58. You see, the Sabbath is meant to be a delight. The Sabbath is meant to be a delight. The Sabbath was never meant to be a drudgery. So you come on the Sabbath day and you are sad because God has told you to take away all the pleasures you have in life. God has told you to cease from your work, the things that make you happy. I mean, you would be happy if you were watching football by this time, wouldn't you? Or you were seeing a movie or you were hanging out with friends at Silverbird and you're doing all of these things. Of course, those things are, those are happy things. So is God trying to strip me of all my joy? No, the Sabbath is meant to be a delight. Nobody actually keeps the Sabbath who does not delight in the Sabbath. The lighting in the Sabbath is essential to Sabbath observance. So there's no point in keeping everything and checking all the rules and saying, hey, after all, I didn't work today, I didn't check my laptop today. No, it's meant to be a delight. Isaiah 58, 13, if you turn your back, if you turn back your foot from the Sabbath, from doing your own pleasure on my holy day, and if you call the Sabbath a delight, 
and the holy day of the Lord honorable. The reason why we will cease from all of these things is because they go hand in hand together. If we cease from these things and we don't, we don't see the Sabbath as honorable and we don't see the Sabbath as a delight, we deceive ourselves. Church, God doesn't call us to just merely keep rules and mark and mark and mark. The Sabbath is meant to be a delight. You should be happy that you are not watching football on a Sunday or that you are not in silver bed on the Lord's day. You should be happy that God has set out a day for you to find spiritual nourishment for your souls and that you are enjoying that day and using it to the maximum. You should be happy that you are attending two services on the Lord's day. You should be happy that you are engaged in spiritual conversations. You should be happy. Those things should make you glad. You should delight in the Lord and delight in the Sabbath which he has created for that purpose. And Isaiah says, or God says, if you honor it, not going your own ways, or seeking your own pleasure, or talking idly, verse 14, then. For those of us who do programming, this is a conditional statement, is it not? If, then. In other words, if the if is not accomplished, the then is as good as forfeited. If A is not done, forget B. And Isaiah gives us three things, three specific blessings that accompany the delightful observance of the Lord's day. Number one, he says, then you shall take the light in the Lord. Firstly, you shall take the light in the Lord. And he's talking about communion with God. There is a sweetness of communion with the Lord that we are yet to experience if we've not delighted in the Sabbath. There's a sweetness of communion with God. There's a type of closeness you, you, you enjoy with the Lord. There's a kind of joy that you have in the presence of God when you delight in the Sabbath or you delight in the Lord's day. As we delight in keeping God's Sabbath, God delights in making himself known to us. You know, many times during the week we complain that we are spiritually dry. And sometimes the question we should ask is, are you delighting in the Lord's day? Are you delighting in the Lord's day? We suffer from all manner of depressive thoughts, all manner of things. And the the point is, are you delighting in the Lord's day? I don't feel the presence of God anymore. Bible reading is a chore. Prayer is a bore. Are you delighting in the Lord's day? You see, the more pleasure we take in serving God and obeying his command in keeping the Sabbath, the more pleasure we shall find in it. We shall find God close. We shall find God close when we keep the Sabbath. So rather than engaging in our own things and complaining that we don't know what it is to have a practical walk with the Lord, try keeping the Sabbath. We read the Puritans and the old guys and we say, ah, no, and these guys had some kind of deep walk with the Lord. They had deep understanding. Try keeping the Sabbath. Because the promise clearly is that you will delight in the Lord. You will enjoy sweet, unbroken communion with the Lord if you delightfully observe the Sabbath. On the Sabbath day, God is willing to make himself more manifest to us if we will take out the time to observe the Lord's day. But secondly, he says, you shall take the light in the Lord and I will make you ride on the heights of the earth. You see this phrase, riding on the heights of the earth, actually came from Moses, the song of Moses in Deuteronomy chapter 32. God had set his people free from captivity and they had experienced victory. 
So when we're, we're seeing that you make us ride on the heights of the earth, we're talking about spiritual victory, spiritual vitality. Is this not the case that there's a lot of lethargy in our lives spiritually? That we can't fight sin. That sin, it's like we are in bondage to different kinds of things. We're in bondage to our phones. We're in bondage to social media. We're in bondage to too much frivolity. We're in bondage to pleasure. We're in bondage to all of those things. And when God's people experience this lowness, the point is, are you keeping the Sabbath? A few centuries back, Horatius Bona wrote, some of us might have seen this book, The Soul Winner. And he was writing to pastors, really. What happened around that time was pastors came together to confess their sins to God because of the amount of declension they were experiencing. You know what the declension is? It's the opposite of a revival. When the things of God were going nosediving, were, were, were nosediving in that day, I know what the ministers found out. That one of the reasons why we're experiencing declension is because we have not honored the Lord's day. We have not kept, we have not made the Sabbath day a delight. That's why there's no spiritual power. There's no vitality. There's no victory. We're wrestling with the same things over, 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 and over, and over again. Whereas God promises victory spiritually if we keep his Sabbath. If we keep the Lord's day as he means us to keep it, God promises us spiritual victory. There it is in God's word. God will grant us grace to live in this world. We go to the office tomorrow, and one of the problems is, man, the compromises are much. How do I stand in this world? How do I make a stand for God? How, I mean, I need, I need strength and energy. I need strength and energy. It comes when we keep the Lord's day. These are blessings. And finally, it says, I will feed you with the heritage of Jacob, your father, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. To the Israelites, this means, you know, the heritage of Jacob is basically talking about their covenant with God. As covenant people, their covenant that they have with God. God says, this covenant is there, but I will feed you with it. You will come to practically enjoy the benefits of your salvation. But all of these things will not happen when we still play with the Lord's day. When on the Lord's day we seek to do our own thing. When on the Lord's day we choose to do our own pleasure. When on the Lord's day we do not take a delight in God and in his things. These are the things God promises to us if, if we will just set our minds and say this is what we are going to do. But we will honor the Lord's day. And of course, you see, the thing with the world is you're going to offend people. If you say you want to keep the Sabbath, you offend people. And if you think you won't offend people, is you're not ready yet. At some point, I used to receive invitations from some of my friends. They say, come on Sunday evening. I say, I'm in church on Sunday evening. They say, it's there every day. You can miss one day. I say, no, I can't miss any Sunday evening service. So at the point, they stopped inviting me now. So this guy is there, so he's proud. He doesn't forget him. He's not serious. There are things that will happen. We'll lose people. Just say, forget this one. If you say you want to visit him on Sunday, you say he's busy in church. He's attending church. He's doing this. He's doing that. If we say, let's go out on the Lord's day on Sunday, say, he's, I say, is he the only Christian? They will give you work and say, do the work. I say, no, I'm sorry. I can't do the work today. I'll do it tomorrow. I say, this guy don't get sense. That same work now, do I get 50K? 
I get 50k straight up. But I bring that, I give that mumu. He said, I son, he said, I lost day. Me, I don't be Christian. I they go to church too now. It is, if it is, if it is, if Christian pass me, wait till I don't touch for God. He never touch a half. And that will be called foolish, of course, because it's not fashionable. To honor the Lord's day, it's not fashionable. Not even, see, even among Christians, it's not fashionable. On Sunday after you come, you know, there's this idea that on su- Sunday is meant to be a, 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 just go to church, that's the thing. So then you want to go to the first service, 7 a.m., so that by 9, you come. And the purpose of the first service was not because you wanted to be fresh to hear the word of God, but because if I measure 9 o'clock now, the day is still young. So I can do a lot of things between 9 until night. I can visit, I can kill many, many birds in one Sunday if I do all of those things. And then when I was growing up, some people began to say, ah, if I don't open my shop on Sunday, they will carry my customers home. Ha! This one don't start now, you don't do open shop on Sunday. If I don't open shop on Sunday, they will carry my customer. And so you come back from church and say it's wisdom. I'm being wise. Because this other person is opening and I'll close it. You see, one of the important things the Lord did teaches us is to show us that the source of our sustenance is not in our work, but in God. But in God, if you're a wage earner, you earn daily, you earn day by day. I mean, that's what a wage means. You work on Monday, you earn on Monday, work on Tuesday, earn on Tuesday. So if you don't work on Sunday, you will not earn on Sunday. That's the logical implication. Keep the Sabbath. Can God not provide for you? In the morning, well, in Exodus chapter 16, when God told the children of Israel about manna, and God said, on the sixth day, go and carry double. It will not spoil. God said, it will not spoil. Take double. And on the seventh day, as usual, as, as expected, they went out. They wanted to. And Israel, Moses said, man, this, you, you're stubborn, stubborn, disobedient people. God says, gather for six days and see if what you've gathered will not be enough for you on the seventh. Go and gather. But because sometimes we think that it is our own efforts. If we don't work today, if I don't work for one day, I will lose 5,000. If I don't work for one day, I will lose 10,000. And if I balance my budget at the end of the month, that 10,000, if it miss like this, eh, I'm not going to chop for, for, for a few days. Try God. God says, delight in, seize from your labors and see if God will not bless you. The Sabbath shows us what, what is really important. That's what the Lord's Day shows us. A lot of times people argue, which is some of the feedback I got from the morning, was people are arguing, arguing, and you know, it asks a lot of questions. See, the Bible says, honor the Lord's, honor the Sabbath day. People begin to ask questions. What if, what if, no, that's not, that's not the point. The point is honor. It starts from your heart that this is a holy day. This is a different day. This is the Lord's day. Christ, by rising on this day, made it his own. Honor it in your heart. They begin to make excuses. Eh, what if somebody is in a Muslim country and the public, the break is fried? Are you in a Muslim country? Are you in a Muslim country? What if somebody does not have a car and the car broke down? It has your car broken down. What if somebody does not have food? He's standing up in the morning and he wants to go to church without food. Are you, did you wake up this morning without food? So we give all of these excuses. What if, what if, what if, when the point that the Bible tells us to do is to keep the Sabbath day, remember it by keeping it holy. The Lord's day reminds us of what's really important. And it's a point to check our hearts. And I got some feedback after the morning sermon and 
I don't want to get into the details of the feedback, but the point is, instead of you to begin by either making accusations or trying to create scenarios that don't exist to find excuses to dishonor the Lord's day, ask yourself, in light of what I've heard, am I actually honoring the Lord's day? The work I do on Sunday, do they advance the purposes of the day? If it advances the purposes of the day, if it's a work of necessity and of mercy, the Bible says go on. But if it doesn't, you are living in clear disobedience to God's word. You are living, that's, that's what we've been looking at all day. You're living in clear disobedience to God's word. If it doesn't advance the purposes of the day, it's not a work of necessity or a work of charity or mercy, forget it. Forget it. But we're also reminded of the saving work of our Lord when we gather together. You see, despite the fact that the Sabbath is a binding command on the entire humanity, remember, the creation ordinances last for as long as humanity, binding on everybody, work, family, uh, uh, the Sabbath as well, a day of rest, not everybody does it. But those of us who gather on a Sunday, we are celebrating the salvation that Christ has worked for us. That Christ actually went up on the cross with our sins and he died. God accepted his payment for our sins and he rose on the first day of the week. At the center of our Lord's day observance is what Christ has done. And so every Sunday, we should cease from the things of this world and say, I want to focus on what Christ has done. I want to focus on the blessings that Christ has worked for me. I want to focus on what he has given me in his word. I want to focus on worshiping and serving him. And I, 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 this is not me daring you. God's word said, if you, if you do it, try it. Try it. You know, sometimes when I read the Bible, I'm amazed at the amount of tests that is there. Test, test and say the Lord is good. I mean, Malachi chapter 3, with the robbery, he said, try it. Try it. Try it. Try to actually honor the Lord's day. You will see that you will not starve. Nothing, you, you will not become weaker physically. You will not become lesser financially. God will bless you. You will enjoy real blessings that are to be found in Christ. Our Father, we ask that as we depart from your house, you would give us further understanding on this matter. And that you would help us, oh God, to honor your day. Help us to delight in your day. Help us to enjoy even the benefits, the blessings that come with the delightful observance of your day. Thank you, Lord, for we know you've heard us this evening. In Jesus' name we pray.